Hey everybody, and welcome to Was That Really Necessary? The podcast where we explore remakes, reboots, sequels, and prequels by weighing them against the original and asking, was that really necessary? I'm Zach Buell, and with me as always is my lovely and talented co-host Paul Abishan. How are you now? Oh, I'm good. Hello. Oh, hi. Hi. Well, if you haven't heard this show before, we watch a movie, and then either it's reboot or remake, and a sequel or a prequel that was made 10 years after the most recent offering. Uh, Then we actually try to look at it and make sure that this was uh, something that we wanted to be done or if it was just a pure cash grab or if they, you know, actually gave a shit about the audience they were pandering to. So this week we had to drop in and start with our multitudes of superhero movies and we went right into Spider-Man and the amazing Spider-Man. Starting off with Spider-Man 2002 directed by Sam Raimi, one of my personal favorites you're a big Raimi fan you are a big Raimi fan I am as as I've mentioned before I am a huge horror movie nut and Sam Raimi is a bit of a he's a bit of a legend in the horror movie business so this was a great thing this was his first like major studio I'm gonna go in and try to fuck some shit up with a Spider-Man movie yeah we're gonna give this guy some money (laughs) see what he does with it yeah this was kind of not unlike a a Tim Burton type of you know like hey this guy's kind of weird let's uh, see what he can do with a budget and also not unlike a very similar time frame for Peter Jackson being able to do Lord of the Rings. So yep. this was kind of a an odd time where big studios were like, all right, we're going to give some nerds their due, but we're going to make it with some really kind of risky filmmakers and just, oh, see what happens. I mean, look at the Matrix. Yeah. I mean, this also came out just to, before we really get into Spider-Man um, 2. You know, what this, this really gets into a time when um, Marvel is just finally starting to hit its stride. So... Modern comic book movies really kind of kickstart in 1989 with Batman. Um, outside of Superman, which was seen as kind of an anomaly in the 70s, there hadn't really been any successful adaptations of comic books. And then Batman comes along. There were some efforts. Not that they didn't try. Oh, no, there were efforts. Uh, you know, the Punisher with Dolph Lundgren in the 80s, that type of stuff. Yep. But you know batman really kicks it off and then marvel decides all right you know they're kind of flailing in the 90s they're not doing super hot and they thought all right well we'll start selling off some of our properties and see if people can make them into movies there was a terrible attempt at captain america flopped which we may cover uh there was an even worse attempt at fantastic four uh and then finally they kind of struck gold and they hit blade and then after that, they go out and they kick out X-Men. I was going to say, X-Men, X-Men and, and then, uh, then kind of Spider-Man. Yeah, and then they are like, all right, screw it. Spider-Man is arguably the most recognizable mm-hmm. Marvel superhero out there, I think, uh, especially at this time. Now, maybe you know Iron Man and Captain America have kind of garnered their own attention. But at that time, the Avengers were kind of the B-team. It oh, was yeah. really X-Men and... Spider-Man. I mean, that, the, the, the Avengers the came about ones. because that's all Marvel had left. Yeah. They had sold the rights to just about everything else, and they're like, well, I guess we could do the Avengers? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see like this come in there and see how well it actually did. Uh, so... Yeah, this 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 was kind of cool. This was a I think a good one to start with uh, for us to be able to do. Uh, Blade was kind of an unheard of you know success too. Also, what many people always kind of talk about how you know like Logan and Deadpool were the R-rated comic book movies that finally proved you can make it bankable. Wrong. Blade original R-rated huge success. 
probably the first, I think the first like Marvel Studio moniker. Huge success, but I'd say Blade was not a household name at the time. I, when, Definitely when Blade, not. When Blade came out, Definitely I, would, I would garner to say 80 to 80, 90% of the people didn't even know it was a Marvel movie. No. Let alone a comic book yeah. character. Whereas you look at, you know, Iron Man, Spider-Man, those, I mean, you know, yeah. those are comic book. They, I would call them mainstream comic books. For where sure. Blade For sure. is not. No, um, no, no, no. no. We could debate why not all day, but in the in the end, Blade is not X Men. Blade is not Spider Man. No, and those are definitely the the marquee of the '90s, at least, and and I think for you know a couple of decades prior, but definitely for the '90s, those were the marquee were Spider Man and X Men for Marvel. Yes. Um, so we get into Spider Man now. Uh, we're going to start talking about this, Paul. Do you have a plot line for us? I do. After and should all that I preamble? Before we, we get did. into that, I, I do want to kind of bring up as well that this is the first podcast we're doing where we're doing three. That is true. There so, are three iterations of this. We're going to really <laughs> dive hard into two of them, and uh, we're going to touch base on the newest one, which the title of it actually goes back to is a double entendre, if you will, for uh, what Zach is mentioning and how. Marvel and Spider-Man, or Spider-Man, excuse me, came back to Marvel. Yes, yeah, Sony owned the rights to it. Uh, they are the ones who produced these two that we're talking about. And then they actually technically produced Spider-Man Homecoming, um, which we're not going to cover quite as in-depth, but we will still kind of touch on. Um, try to focus it to two movies if we can, but uh, the, we can't not mention Homecoming. Exactly. it's definitely just another iteration yep. of this. So, uh, with that, that sorry. Off. Yeah, we got Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man, uh, plain and simple, nothing else to it. Um, so, if we <laughs> plot synopsis, on a school field trip, Peter Parker is bitten by a genetically modified spider. He wakes up the next morning with incredible powers. Then, after witnessing the death of his uncle, Parker's decision to put his new skills to use in order to rid the city of evil... But someone else has other plans. The Green Goblin sees Spider-Man as a threat and must dispose of him. Even if it means the Goblin has to target Parker's aunt and the girl he secretly pines for. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. I've already said it. I love Sam Raimi. I have, I, I have great nostalgia for this movie. I, I went back and rewatched this movie. This movie so. is a it is a time capsule of 2002. It is exactly like I watched this and was transported back to like 17 and 18 year old me watching this movie. I just kept going back being like, holy shit, this person's in this. Yep. Holy shit, this person's in this. <laughs> um, like the lady selling him tickets at the the wrestling matches, Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean Elizabeth Banks. Yep. I mean just just all these. I mean j- we're gonna talk about it because Joe Monta. J- Miss, Manginella, yeah, Joe, Joe, Mrs. Sof- Sofia Vergara. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is his acting debut, and yep. he As is Flash a Thompson. yeah, he is a skinny, skinny little boy at the <laughs> he was thirty, yeah, um, but um, skinny little boy at the age of thirty, yeah, it was. Uh, there, there's there's a breath of people that come from this movie. Yeah. Well, and speaking of, you, you mentioned you know Joe, skinny little boy. Th- these are mostly high schoolers in quotes in this movie and uh <laughs> just to give you guys an idea james franco he looks really young is what i had written down he is around 24 at the time of filming toby mcguire is around 27 kirsten Dunst is only 20 so she's actually fairly close and joe baba ganoush is <laughs> 30 um he, it's just funny this is kind of one of your traditional hollywood films of okay let's cast a bunch of 30 year olds to play high schoolers only i mean they, 
they did, did okay with it. They're a little old looking, but not too bad. My main complaint with this, and to a lesser extent with the 2012 version, is does everybody think that they grew up in a 1980s high school with traditional bullying that... Was, yeah. was I the only person that never experienced this in high school? No. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I experienced some some stuff in high school, but I have written several times throughout both movies that we watched is where are the adults? <laughs> I mean, people getting in just openly mobbed, like, circle out, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> you got Tobey Maguire doing double fucking backflips over a bully, <laughs> and at no point is anyone, like, freaked out by this. Like, I, I don't care if you're the best gymnast in my high school. If you you do a double backflip over a person in a fight, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Yeah, it was, it's an odd thing to just see these like stereotypes like that where, you know, it's, you just have the, the, the very clear bully of, uh, you know, I'm going to throw stuff at you or uh, we're, we're driving the bus away from everybody's going, Parker. And it's like, this is a clearly a high school of a few hundred kids. Why does everybody know who Peter Parker is to make fun of him? The nerds in, my high school of 120 kids were the people that you barely knew the name of. And that, that was a high, uh, that was not said wrong, a high school of 120 kids. But they didn't so. really give him anything nerdy. <laughs> like they didn't yeah. show him being other than like, we're taking some pictures. There's no like science that he's doing. There's not a lot that, that incorporates him being a Nerd. In fact, he looks like someone who we later found out in Spider-Man 3 that should have a fucking cry shield sitting in the corner <laughs> listening to My Chemical Romance <laughs> and crying about the world's sorrows. This, he's yeah. not, he just doesn't encompass what I would consider to be that nerdy Peter Parker. That is my one main gripe about this and that I think the Amazing Spider-Man gets much, much better is yes. that this, I actually wrote it down Peter Parker, they just made him into Clark Kent in this. They made him a reporter. They made him the guy who goes out, and I guess he's a photographer, not a reporter, but whatever. Uh, He doesn't have that science-y piece that he usually has. You know, in the comics, he's listed as one of the more brilliant people, brilliant minds within the Marvel Universe. That's kind of one of his things. But he's always very humble about it, or he's not forgotten that he is this intelligent type of person. Yeah, the only thing I really caught from it was him making a side comment about being fired by Dr. Connors. Which is the lizard. Which is the, exactly. Who who we will talk about later. (laughs) Um, But that's really the only thing that you really get a sense. And if you you don't know who Dr. Connors is, Connors is and you aren't ingrained into the Spider-Man universe that flew right by you and again this is a time where this was like we had mentioned one of the first big in theater release comic book movies yeah and then it it broke records too like people got fucking jacked for this oh yeah and you know this I was bring, more than this was above comic book fans. Yeah, like this was this everybody was, went to this. This was worldwide hysteria because again, at this point, you had Blade and X Men proving that this was viable. People were going to go see this, and I, we bring it up too because you know, one of the biggest things that Peter Peter Parker is about in the comics is that he is this brilliant mind. He wins the science award in this movie, but that's really about it. You don't actually see him doing anything. He goes out and he is touring some class uh, class school trip or whatever the hell it is. I don't know gets bitten by a spider, which, by the way, I thought it was pretty funny that they made Kirsten Dunst, MJ, basically Rain Man, because they were like, there are 15 spiders here, and she just immediately goes, there are only 14 there. It's like, what, you, where, did you drop a pack Definitely of, 14. Yeah. 14, definitely yeah, 14. Yeah, Wapner's on See, here. So my problem so, with this is, and again, it, yeah. little things. Yeah. 
but I read it in my synopsis. They made it a genetically altered spider. Yeah. It's it's a radioactive spider in the comic books. Yeah. I do. I guess I didn't understand the reason or the purpose to change that. It's it's a very simple thing. I don't understand why it had to be genetically altered instead of like here's some radioactive shit. Like, they. I just don't get. I, I mean. I, I mean, they it. do the same thing in the Amazing Spider-Man too. It's not actually. It's it's a whole bunch of genetic experiments that they're replacing and stuff with there too, I which mean, is. And I'm not. I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just saying. Same like, notes for both. I'm curious <laughs> why they would do that. But my my biggest thing is so he goes and he gets. He gets bitten by the spider, you know, it starts to get his powers and abilities. Again, going back to the complaint that they just made him a reporter, he doesn't make his own web cartridges. He has some pieces that appear on his wrists, and he is able to spin webs out of that. I don't hate that choice, but taken in the greater context of him all of a sudden not being the science kid, he kind of took a big part of Peter Parker away. Yes. It it bothers me a little bit. That's, That's pretty much my only real real complaint about side, like nitpicky shit in this movie is I want Peter to be the science scientist that he should be the nerd that he should be because that's such a huge appeal of Spider-Man is that he is the nerd's dream of going th- he's going through puberty let's be honest high school kid who's going through changes in his body that suddenly Absolutely. grows and you know gets to be all, huge and powerful and figuring out his body that type of stuff he is just a puberty analogy so one of those big things is that you appeal to him by making him very nerdy. And they kind of took that away from him, aside from just making him look sort of nerdy. That's kind of just Toby Maguire, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no offense See, to you, I, Toby. I, We're it, picking fights with you again, yeah. I guess. I guess you're our target now. Yeah, you're, you're in our crosshairs <laughs> today. Um, I really will say that they did some outside of Toby Maguire, who I didn't really care for. Like I think he was you, good as – he's good and he's kind of nerdy, but – like Whatever, this yeah. was a huge nostalgia bomb for me. Oh, this yeah. this brought me back. Um, rewatching it, I have some different viewpoints. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not as huge of a fan of, of Tobey Maguire, and maybe that's because I really like some of the future renditions that they've done since sure, this. Sure, sure. Uh, but I will say that they could not have cast Jameson any better than J.K. Simmons. You like, can't you, get better. He is he, he is the living embodiment of. And I hope they never do. No. Like, I hope they never recast that role. And if they do, it has to be J.K. Simmons. I mean, could not be any better. Yep. Um, The Aunt May of all the Aunt Mays we're going to discuss was the most realistic to the comic books. I love me some Marissa Tomei, but uh, hashtag not my Aunt May. My Aunt May is the actress in these movies. She is my, and I love Sally Field too, but... This is my Aunt May. This is when I think of Aunt May personified, it's the woman in Spider Man. Yes. Yes. Aunt- it is the old white haired pulled back in a bun. Yep. I I thought that she she was great. She had a weird scene with the Green Goblin where she was like praying and it was it was fucking weird. I even it's one thing I have in my notes, just it doesn't make sense. You could cut that whole mm-hmm. crying and praying out of it all entirely. Uh, but to mention that, too, you have Willem Dafoe in this, who, yep. as the Green Goblin, uh, amazing, except... The costume. The costume. <laughs> Willem Dafoe has this naturally goblin-y, creepy face. And Which they, he plays up to perfection in this. He does, but they cover it up when he's the Green Goblin. They yep. give him this You very, can vaguely see it in a couple of scenes through the visor, but even that is just, it's not enough. It's not. It's not what they what they did in the Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man 2 with that dorky guy. 
where they literally turned his face into a goblin. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have seen that with Willem Dafoe because he was, again, perfectly cast for this role. Yeah. Um, I loved, I loved, actually liked James Franco. I thought he was a good Harry Osborne. He's kind of that playboyish, very naive, very just yeah. kind of wienery. I don't know is the best way I could describe it. Yeah. Everybody's kind of a wiener in this film. And James Franco <laughs> wasn't that, he wasn't who he is or his notoriety that he has no, today. No, had some minor roles and has some cult following after Freaks and Geeks, but this is... This yep. is kind of his like big screen debut. This is yep. really what gets him into the the zeitgeist, if you will. Um, I so Spider Man, you guys, if you guys don't know the origin story, we're not going to go through it every single time because each movie is basically hitting the beat of Peter Parker gets bit by a genetically altered, not radioactive spider. Uh, he becomes Spider Man, gets some powers, gets the ability to be the web crawler, has to fight a villain that kind of comes out of nowhere that is close, secretly close to him that he has to then, you know, kind of suss out who it is and save the, save the day. What I thought was at least interesting about the original Spider Man, again, an unabashed Raimi fan, they just, it, it, I, I feel like Sam Raimi went and watched Batman 1989, looked at it and said, yeah, I think I want to do that, but with more color. Because he has the same, like, really Art Deco-y yep. 1950s architecture all over it. He has some odd, you know, he's a big fan of, like, the Dutch angles, you know, the weird angles, very kinetic camera movement kind of moving all over the place. He was really, really good, really well-suited for this, and made an artistic-looking movie. My biggest bash on The Amazing Spider-Man that we'll get to is it is a competently directed film, but it lacks... a. A, a, a real vision for what it wants to be. It is a, it is a film. It Director, is, it is a, it, I put that, and we'll yeah. talk about, I'm sure, more as we get down that a road. A thousand video, uh, music videos. I was going to say, look it. at the director experience. Yeah. It's, it's the experience of the director. Or Sam yeah. Raimi has had Sam so Raimi many. Sam Raimi has an aesthetic. He has something that he's going for, and he is, like, he, he executes it so well. But he's well had time to get better. Yeah. I mean, Sam Raimi, if you look at, like, his original work to where he is today, oh, oh yeah, my God. Oh, started in the huge... 80s. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the the director of Amazing Spider-Man had just done a bunch of fucking music videos. Yep, Like, exactly. that's all he really did that's, was music videos. That's all he still really ever and done. And then someone said, let's hand you hundreds of millions of dollars to do a movie, which, again, not bad. Yeah, no, 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 no. And I, uh, but not, he's not Sam Raimi. When you're watching these two back-to-back, like, or not exactly back-to-back, but, but approximately back-to-back like I did, it is such a stark contrast. Raimi has such an artistic vision going through this. His camera work, even if his original Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 are not obviously production value-wise up there, he has a very distinct way he frames things, way the camera moves through it and everything like that. And he really brought a lot of that to it. He even was able to bring some horror movie elements into this when Willem Dafoe is hearing voices talking to him, tr- encouraging him to you know kill people and do the Green Goblin. He has some really great horror e- efforts in there. Spider-Man 2 that he directed as well has the great scene where they are trying to cut the um, octopus arms off, to, uh, off of Doc Ock and they come to life themselves and like kill everybody in the operating room. And it's this great, awesome like horror movie little scene spliced into a superhero movie. It's just, that was something that I thought had still aged well. Even if this movie was just a time capsule of 2002, everything about it is super duper 2002, down to the fact that he's still using a film camera, which he actually uses also in uh, Spider-Man 2 or 2012, which I thought was 
a, a nice little gesture. I thought like, it was a great he, touch. Actually, he would be I've the got my notes. he would be the nerd that would use film. But he would. You know, like in in the two thousand two version, he's just using film because that's what you did. That's then. what we had. <laughs> uh, I do love. Speaking that. of, there's a scene where he's looking at vintage cars. Yes, and I had just like laughing. LOL, price of cars. LOL. Oh my like god, like these super nice vintage cars for like four thousand dollars. Like shit, I can put one of those on my credit card today, yo. I know. Um, it, it was it was a different time. Um, the CGI effects, the things that Sam Raimi were doing, were new. Yeah. Today, it's and it's we're kind of reinventing the wheel as we go, oh, yeah. and obviously things are getting better. But a lot of this was had never really been done before. No, no, it hadn't. And the the CGI, though obviously CGI, isn't actually that bad relative to some of the other stuff that we've we've talked about in some of the other movies we've. But this is also here. why I think it's take it took this long to get there. Yes, we exactly. never we couldn't do this Spider Man in 1980. We well, couldn't do the Spider Man in 1990 because the technology to do it wasn't there. And Spider Man being one of the marquee pieces for this had been in development multiple times beforehand. James Cameron was notoriously wanting to make this movie for years and years and then just never ended up doing it. So it's... It's it's a movie that it it has taken us a while to actually be able to get to that point where we can where we can do this in 2002. So... It, it was fun to see it come to life. Speaking um, of 2002, we gotta, yes. we do you have to talk about, you know, the sad, the sad, some of trivia that, that yes. did go along with this movie. Hit me. This movie was supposed to come out before, in 2001 uh, because of the Twin Towers. They had to go back and actually redo um, some scenes. There was a scene where Peter was going to save a helicopter by creating a web between the two towers and kind of catching this helicopter like a spider in a web. Yep. Or a fly in a web, excuse me. Yeah. Um, there were original posters that had the Twin Towers in the reflection of his eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, you will see that they, the they eyes are like... They have a few like, background scenes. There, you can still see the Twin Towers and some yes. of the background scenes and stuff. But So they, they did have to go back and kind of do some re-editing, do some remarketing. Um, obviously, just the, the entire city of New York was a sensitive topic mm-hmm. um, at the time. Uh, so that there was kind of just some history back there. One of... I'd say that just after doing some research, one of the most affected movies by 9-11 due to being yeah, um, sure. at that time when it came out being filmed entirely in New York with mm-hmm. entirely New York scenescapes. And, and very prevalent. One of the, one of Marvel's big things, one of the big differences outside of DC is DC makes up cities. cities. Yep. So there's Gotham, obviously, for Batman, Metropolis Probably. for Superman. Marvel takes place in real cities. Spider-Man is quintessentially New York. Like, that is his home style. He's a what, Brooklyn kid or... Or is he Queens? I can't remember. And Captain yeah. America is one of the... I, I, I forget. I should know as a huge Marvel fan what these are. But anyway, like New York is such a big centerpiece to it that this has to revolve around New York. That is just the way it has to be. And yeah, it's, yeah. it was unfortunate that it was affected that much during production by this. Yeah, so that there was there was that... To kind of to kind of deal with from a from a publicity publicity standpoint. Yep, I mentioned that we know the plot. Everybody kind of knows the the Spider Man plot. Uh, Uncle Ben dies. Spider Man is spawned. Then he has to fight Green Goblin. Green Goblin threatens MJ. They kind of go through this. One of the things is that Green Goblin knows Peter. Like Norman yes. Osborn knows Peter outside of anything that's happening. Figures out because of a cut on his arm after one of their fights that Peter Parker is Spider Man. And then he threatens to, you know, hurt Spider Parker's family, knowing that he's Spider Man. And then they kind of figured out. Uh, it all culminates with James Franco not realizing that his dad was the Green Goblin. Sees Spider Man putting his dead body down there, and is like all wholly against Spider Man, even though he actually is best friends with Peter Parker in real life. 
this is kind of the dichotomy that Spider-Man relies on is that he has this secret identity that he can't reveal to anybody because it's dangerous to them and bad things happen when he you know actually does reveal this so this is like the again i think they did a really good job of encapsulating that in this film where it's a tight you know yeah it's a very tight plot line and does hits all the beats that you want from spider-man save for him being the sciencey nerd i absolutely right um you know they did do a couple things like uh that (laughs) to go along with that the mj the fact that peter parker is in love with mary jane yes mary jane is in fact in love with spider-man and you know (laughs) plot twist irony um so it's uh it's a fun thing that they do there with that the thing i will i didn't care for and I get why they did it because everybody wants to see MJ. I'm I am a fan of Spider-Man comic books. I love Spider-Man comic books. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping for a Gwen Stacy, at least some reference to her. Um, maybe he sat yep. behind her or like in a roll call, but really no reference up until the third. Third movie. one is when she comes in as Bryce Dallas Howard, and that third movie being troubled as it is. Whatever. We're yeah, not here to talk it, about that. Yeah, one. we're not. We're not even. Uh, yeah, not <laughs> Although even I will, and I mentioned this to you before, I will go to my grave saying that Spider-Man Three isn't as bad as everybody thinks it is. Although I will never say that it's a good movie. It has some really good stuff to pull out of it. Like the Sandman's whole storyline is great. They just tried to cram too much shit in there, yeah. and it just didn't work. Notorious studio fighting with Raimi about everything in there too. We're not here to get into that. That one is its own troubled piece. Um, a couple of last things, too. I, I, I totally agree on the MJ thing. Would have loved to have seen Gwen Stacy in here. Eh, we get to see her in the 2012. So, really, you kind of satiated me it. there. Uh, this, again, just to really drive home, this is a 2002 movie. Uh, Macy Gray makes an appearance in that. When was the last time you thought about Macy Gray? Yeah, she's got a full-on appearance musical number in this film. Yep. Pretty funny. Payphones, answering machines. Future civilizations are going to watch this and study it as a case study for what life was like in the early 2000s. Like this is this is the turning point where there's a couple of cell phones to be seen, but not prevalent there. This is just the I just I don't know. I think it's so fall in line with Home cells. Alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. They just fucking call him on the cell phone, right? <laughs> Send him a text. Mom, home. Um, but no, absolutely right. Um, just to kind of look and crunch some numbers on this one. Yep. So this movie cost. $139 million to make. That is a big-ass budget. That's a big, big number. So yep. their first opening weekend just in the USA mm-hmm. did 114, uh, call it $115 million. That uh, is unheard of at this point. Nothing had ever broken $100 million on the, on uh, weekend one, I believe. Crazy. And this is the number one by far, I think. So worldwide gross at the end of 2002, a whole calendar, you know, at the yeah. end of the year. $822 million. Those are insane numbers. This is a huge hit by all standards. This is crazy. This, this was astronomically large, um, not only for budget, but just what this made. Like I said, this, this went beyond the comic book fans. Yeah, and this was, by the way, the, this, uh, like in terms of critical reception, critics, 90%. On Rotten Tomatoes, just loved it. There, there was not, you know, it was just super highly rated. And audience, sixty-seven percent. Yeah. So, kind of stands in line. You're gonna make, you're gonna have some divisive stuff with this, uh, you know, first iteration of a comic book. I'm trying to indicate that comic book nerds are going to be picky about these things. Is that oh, yeah. weird to say? 
No. <laughs> oh, the the diehard comic book people had um, some some things to say about this, oh, and yes. they still do. Oh, yes. In the in certain circles in the comic book world, this movie yeah. is not good, um, and should be burned in an effigy. Uh, but I will I will ask you, yeah. um, Zach. Speaking of what people thought about it, yeah, yeah. Did you happen to find any? Uh, one and five star reviews for this movie. I did. I did find a couple of one and uh, five star. Reviews oh, do tell. This. Yeah. So my first one, I have a five star review for this movie. Selling for less than seven bucks. Yes, I will snag a decent classic movie for that price. Thanks. Five stars. All right. Hey, hell of a deal, guys. I, I don't know if this guy understands what a five star review is, but he was pretty jazzed about a pretty decent movie. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So what do you what do you got for a uh, for a five star review for this guy? This is called Spider Man exclamation point. Spider Man is simply amazing. I saw it on the big screen the week it came out, and I'm glad I spent every penny. It will not disappoint you. I'm a lifelong Spider Man fan. Everything from the comic books to spelled wrong the old cartoons. I just want you guys to know these are spelled wrong. <laughs> this movie puts all else to shame. It is full of action and suspense and will keep you on the edge of your seats the entire movie. Thrilling and stunning. The action in this movie is what makes it so great. Stylized. That's a sentence. <laughs> the movie also goes out setting perfect... Yeah, this guy does not know how to type, and that's why I love reading this <laughs> shit to you guys, because like I read it again, I'm like, oh, this is broke-ass English. The movie also goes out setting perfect room for its sequel, Spider-Man 2. Quotes, Spider-Man 3 comes out May 2007. <laughs> While I do have to say that the sequel, Spider-Man 2, is much better than the first... This one is still a five-star movie that surpasses other superhero movies, i.e. The Hulk, Daredevil, and Catwoman. Fair. A full five out of five review. I actually chose this based on the other movies he referenced because that's (laughs) yes this so this is a very old review obviously. Gotcha. Um, Did you did you. Did you find a one star, Zach? I did. It was not terribly difficult as much as I enjoyed this movie. Um, this one I chose for a, uh, a particular reason that I think will become very apparent when I get there. Uh, it's called, I hate to say this, but, and it says, I'm sorry, but I hated this film. So much so that I refused to see the second one. Tobey Maguire looks about 12. He did not convince me that even with superpowers he could battle evil. I did all my own stunts, please. In just about all the action sequences, Spider-Man was so CGI he looked like a slimmed-down Shrek with red spandex on. The only positive feeling that this film left me with was knowing with that I was on the right in all of those, that I was, oh, sorry, I was in the right in all those schoolyard debates many years ago. Who is the better superhero, Spider-Man or Batman? I was on Batman's side, and this film made me feel all the more justified in my choice. I felt sorry for Kirsten Dunst. She's a good actress, and she got stuck with this. The best thing about it was it had a Nickelback song, and it's so Nickelback that my only lonely star will go to them. Sorry. This man rated it one star because of a Nickelback song. I mean, this And just... it's not because it was featuring a Nickelback that it was one star. He only gave it the only star because it was Nickelback, featuring a Nickelback song. Yeah, I mean, this guy sounds 
This is the Sounds kind of like person. a Nickelback fan. I wanna I wanna get my movie advice from the guy who gives star ratings based off of Nickelback songs on on uh, soundtracks. Fuck that! I was hoping he'd like donate sperm for my next <laughs> child. Like this is the guy right here. This is the fucking guy. This is the fucking guy. You've heard it here, folks. All right, Paul. <laughs> How about your one star? I review? did. Mr. Stephen L. Hall mm-hmm. uh, has to say that this movie has too much violence, not enough storyline. My seven-year-old grandson won't be able to watch this movie until he is much older. That is unfortunate. That's it. There was not that much violence. Anyway, eh, I'm not going to get into. Re- I'm not going to respond to ten-year-old Amazon reviews of this movie. <laughs> well, all right. So we went through. Spider-Man. Now let's get to The Amazing Spider-Man in 2012. As a quick storyline, we've already kind of reviewed what the plotline is a little bit, but Peter Parker is an outcast high schooler who was abandoned by his parents as a boy, leaving him to be raised by his Uncle Ben and Aunt May. Like most teenagers, Peter is trying to figure out who he is and how he got to be the person he is today. They struggle with love, commitment, and secrets. As Peter discovers a mysterious briefcase that belongs to his father, he begins a quest to understand his parents' disappearance, leading him to Oscorp in the lab of Dr. Kurt Connors as his father's former partner. As Spider-Man is set on a collision course with Connors' alter ego, the Lizard, Peter will make a life-altering choice to use his powers and shape his destiny to become a hero. Yeah, amazing. That's pretty Spider-Man. much the whole plot right there. It's that crazy. It is right there. Um, so again, not to go too deep into it because it, it's it's the 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 first what 20, 30, 40 minutes, fifty minutes of this movie. I don't know how long are just a retelling of the Spider-Man mythos. It is him being a nerd, going and getting bitten by a spider. This time he develops the webbing and everything yes. himself. So that is a, a positive there. With some Definitely really nice. high-tech shit that I never know how that kid got his hands on it. Like, if you see yeah. it, it is crazy, crazy high-tech I shit. Think it's, I think it's always meant to be, like, you know, he was a, a dumpster-diving savant that knew how to how to tune some of this stuff up. But, like, I, ooh, I, he creates a crazy polymer blend of Yeah, he looks like he should... He looks like it, it, he's hanging out in Tony Stark's laboratory. Yeah, he really does, which Homecoming will address that, obviously. But uh, he... Yeah, so right, right off the bat, Andrew Garfield, I, I'm curious. What are your thoughts? We've watched McGuire now. What do you think of Garfield? He's... I think I I think he looks too old. He's too... In a, in a sense, he's too good-looking. He's too chiseled. Mm-hmm. He's got a very um, defined face. Yeah. He went through puberty like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't like him physically. Yeah. I actually thought he was a better Spider-Man once you put the suit on. I think he... Wholeheartedly agree. Yep. He was... He talks shit. Like, he I want Spider-Man, Spider-Man banter when yes. he's fighting. Yes. He yes. absolutely, like, loved him as Spider-Man. I did the not car- like him as Peter Parker. That's fair. The carjacker scene where he's fighting him. Oh, my weakness is small knives. Yeah. Oh, like, my oh, God. Perfect. Fucking like, just, hilarious. And, that, and that, I can remember seeing that in the previews and being really stoked about, okay, you know what? Maybe they got this pretty much right. I, I feel like it. they did a – they took the things that I feel like Sam Raimi didn't do a great job doing, mm-hmm. and they did – better in some ways and then i feel like there's some other scenes where i'm like why did you do this i think so like one of the things a couple of things you know like i said they made him they make him the sciencey nerd in this one and they do a really good job of setting that up organically where right in the beginning he's like trying to fix a fridge or a freezer or whatever it is and right away his uncle ben is like well can you help me with this he goes yeah i can you know i'll have to run over to the store and grab this but i can easily replace that so 
you're automatically you're you, he's a he's a kid that's tinkering with stuff. He is obviously pretty smart. Uh, you know, he's being it, there's a there's a point where he's taking a tour with Gwen in yes, this Gwen one. Stacey's Gwen Stacy in, in this one, played by my I I personally enjoy Emma Stone. I know you're not a huge fan of Emma Stone. That's fine. Uh, some some it's we, can, okay. we can all be wrong sometimes. It's okay. I like her uh, more than Kristen Dunst. Fair enough. Uh, but they are talking, and uh, Gwen says something about being valedictorian. He's like, are you, though? And she's like, yeah, I am, you, where you can kind of see, like, okay, they've got a little rivalry going yep. on. They're both pretty smart kids. It's it's good to bring it up kind of organically. They don't just shoehorn in a, you got a science award, here's a certificate type of thing. But where so. they veer off in some ways in this mm-hmm. are some things that Sam Raimi got right. Like, there was no combination of... Let's get this all right. So where Sam Raimi maybe didn't do the web and didn't do the science, yeah. he nailed the origin story with the wrestling match. Yes, oh with God. Uncle Ben I, dying I because he let someone saw. because oh. oh oh rest in peace, Macho Man. <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage in the first one. Bonesaw is ready. Bonesaw. <laughs> so, but but they didn't. They changed that in this mm-hmm. one where it was like a convenience store robber who got who killed Ben later, yeah, and it yeah. was. I didn't like it. Like it was why, unnecessary. Why did they change that? Why yeah, exactly? Why are you changing some of what? What uh, again? And maybe I'm just a comic book asshole, but you are. But c- continue, c- right? <laughs> why did you change some of the key elements? Some things that are were fun and that I think were just kind of there. I get the genetically altered spider. Maybe you didn't. You know, how oh, oh, can they be radioactive without getting cancer? It's just a different time. I get that, but yeah. this was weird. Like, this was just a weird difference. Um, Martin Sheen was Uncle Ben. I, he was good. I actually I like liked him. him. Um, Aunt May was Sally, Sally Field. Field. Who I liked her. I didn't. It, she just sounds like she's fucking dialing it in. It, it, she was it, fine, I guess. Like, why Sal- Sally point, Field's though. too good of an actress to play she a was bit wasted. role of Aunt May. Yeah. Why? Uh, how did she get suckered into doing this? At least Martin Sheen is given the gravitas of being Uncle Ben, who has to teach him about responsibility and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but Martin Sheen's like like, fun, though. Like, well, well, and, well, no, and that's what I'm saying. Like, He's given a role that he can do something with. It's, it's, Sally just doesn't really have a whole lot to deal with as Aunt May in this one because she is much she is very de-emphasized in this one versus oh, yeah. versus the the 2002 not that Aunt May is super featured in that but she is it's pretty clear in in Spider-Man 2002 that Aunt May is definitely the bigger um, you know, like character, knowing that Uncle Ben, even though he has a relationship, is going to be kind of killed off. Everybody seems to know that, and it was like. The Spider Amazing Spider Man didn't know that Uncle Ben was going to die, so they really set up and put a lot of effort into it, and then kind of didn't really do much for Aunt May, which kind of sucks because you're wasting Sally Field, Oscar award winning, excellent actress that you yeah could have done a lot more with. And I just I don't <laughs> I I guess I don't understand what got Sally May to look at a script and say, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, Sally okay. Field, you mean? That's what I meant. Thank yeah. you. No, um, Aunt May, Sally May, I yeah, get it. Yep. She's not a, a government loan agency, though. Uh, I know. <laughs> um, there were not as many cameos in this. Like, No, were... definitely not. Like His dad is played by Campbell Scott, who is kind of a, a nice little bit player that I've always enjoyed because Singles was one of my favorite movies growing up. I don't know why, but I just always kind of remember Campbell Scott. He is the perfect when you need a totally forgettable, serious man yeah. in a role. Then you call Campbell Scott, and you everybody you're listening probably going, I don't know who the hell it is. Look him up. You've probably seen him in about a thousand, thousand things, things, and not even realized that you've seen him in those things because he is the perfect forgettable straight man. Like that is it. <laughs> well, and then you have Dennis Leary as as Captain Stacy. Actually, I thought was fine job, fantastic. Yep, did a did a did a fine job of being an angry New York 
police chief, which is a granted a bit of a stretch from his role in Rescue Me, where he is an angry New York fire chief. Oh wait, no, it's not really much of a stretch, is it? Yeah, is he I don't getting think... typecast. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, I will say uh, there is a appearance of <laughs> which I actually had to stop because I, I didn't realize it the first time. I had to stop it. Go back and be like, is that fucking C. Thomas Howell? Oh, yeah. Is Pony Boy in this movie? <laughs> I had um, forgotten about Pony that. Boy shows up. Yeah. I, had, I had to stop and be like, wait a minute, is, is, is it? Is that fucking Pony Boy? Yeah. Um, it sure, sure is. Mm-hmm. Um, Reese Ifans, if, if, Ifans, right? Is okay. Yeah. He's, he's not, fine. he's not a. He's trying too hard to put on a gruff voice in the beginning, which uh, took me away from it, and he's just. I, he, He's fine. But he's not an A-list actor. No, no. When I think, and when you look at almost every other Spider-Man movie out there, you have an A-list actor as a villain. And he just, I wasn't excited to see him in this. I wasn't like, oh, oh man, he's going to nail this shit. Yeah. Like, meh. He, to me, he's the cigarette-smoking kicker from The Replaceables. Yeah. Or The Replacements. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, like, I'm, I just didn't like him. I didn't care for him. I think that the made, like I had mentioned earlier in, in conversation, they made the lizard look like a fucking Koopa Ugh, from the I, Mario Brothers uh, movie. That is my that is my single biggest gripe about The Amazing Spider-Man is the way the lizard looks. I was just so angry. Because I personally, again, being the comic book asshole that I am, loved the lizard he was one of my favorite and i'm not even a huge spider-man fan but i just love the villain of the lizard i don't know why i always thought he was kind of interesting i loved it on the animated series in the 90s i used to watch that and the lizard was always one of my favorites in there i always kind of felt like the green goblin was just a little too generic so i was happy to see that they went with the lizard unhappy to see that they made him a yeah a, a mario brothers movie so part of me watching this when I first when it first came out and then rewatching it again because I kind of got confused on the plot lines was the sadistic asshole part of me. I see Gwen Stacy, especially when I saw this for the first time. I was like, "Oh, bitch, you gonna die? Like, kill her, kill her!" Like yeah. the whole time, I'm like, "Oh, fucking kill her!" That happens in the Amazing Spider-Man too, which which I'm glad they did. We graciously we will not be talking about that one because that is a train that we could devote maybe an, an entire hour plus long episode talking about the sequel to this movie so i think that we're just gonna stick with uh yeah. this movie we're definitely not going there the one last thing that i, for, I forgot to mention about the first one and just as we're comparing these two uh with this second one james horner is the composer of it and this guy is accomplished in his own right he's titanic avatar dude has been you know like doing a bunch of stuff he is doing his best impression of the first movie's uh, actual composition, which is by the venerable, I love him, Danny Elfman, who wrote The Simpsons theme, has done almost all of Tim Burton's stuff. And it was really kind of his, I loved his score for the first one because it just added to the, like I said, I think Sam Raimi literally just watched Batman 1989 and went, I want to make those same stuff, same things. And why don't we just get Elfman to do the theme again too? Why not? Why not? And One of the things that I was listening to another podcast, actually great one, uh, and it's called Blank Check, so highly recommended if you uh, are into movie podcasts. He they they talk about how Danny Elfman they're going through all of like Tim Burton's films, and they say how Danny Elfman is so good at writing a score for a character. So when I think back to Spider Man two thousand two, I can hear some of that music in my head, and I think like that's that's what Spider Man sounds like to me. You think about the Simpsons, think about that opening theme. That is what the Simpsons sound like. 
Danny Elfman, it's same with Batman. You know, like that's what Batman sounds like. He is so good at writing and just pinpointing like, I'm gonna write a totally weird random song that will just sound like this character. Not the movie, just like what this character sounds like. And it was unfortunately, I thought, a like I said, James Horner, a very accomplished composer, just kind of trying to do his best Elfman impression. And it really was kind of bothersome, again, if I watch him back to back like that, where you have such an original captivating score and then a sort of, you know, crappy knockoff of said score. So um, that was what my, that was a one last gripe that I just wanted to point out there. You know that I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have noticed. Are we also going to now point out the fucking gripe of lack of, lack of Nickelback songs? I mean, there is a severe lack of Nickelback songs in this one, and that did knock it down a peg for me. I, and I definitely, I pulled a total, I talked to Paul about this, again, pulling a total Buell on this one. I totally confused this with Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I had seen. I gave this, uh, I went into Amazing Spider-Man with a lot more hate in my heart because I was thinking that it was number two. I, I was pleasantly surprised in rewatching this at, and enjoying it more than I thought I would. So it, it was. It, it's a good movie. It really is. I, I actually like it. I so enjoyed. I like. I, said, I had I, it in my head that I was hated for so long, and now I'm happy I rewatched it. I really enjoyed him as Spider-Man. Yeah. I, there, there's there's a, a montage, if you will, where he's capturing bad guys and yeah. just kind of a, a, a talk shit fest. Yes. And I really enjoyed that. Yes. Uh, and I, I I honestly rewatching both of these again do not think toby Maguire could have even pulled that off no i, don't I just so don't either. see him as that that kind of shit talking no um and, and i don't see andrew garfield being as nerdy as toby Maguire. Yeah. he does his best with it but it just doesn't it just doesn't work, work for yeah, me he's, he's too pretty for it um so i will say for this one yeah, they sorry. they opened the wallet up uh, significantly, yes. Uh, give or take a hundred million dollars, opened up the wallet a little bit more. So this one cost two hundred and thirty million dollars to make. Now worldwide gross, on the other hand, only brought in, and I say only because we're comparing, because <laughs> yeah, we are comparing. comparing yep. um, the original one had brought in eight hundred and twenty-two. Yep. In this one forgotten. brought in seven hundred and fifty-eight million. Uh, which is in, still a big. It's a good hit. It's a good. It's a good return on your profit. A return on your investment, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but it's it does not compare to the Tobey Maguire. No, it doesn't capture that. I mean, especially when you adjust for inflation. The fact that the original one, even just 10 years prior, took in straight up more money, not adjusted for inflation, and cost about half, that's a pretty considerable change. Although definitely enough for them to make Amazing Spider-Man 2, which then didn't do as well. So this is also one of the, this is one of the first movies that I remember the original coming out mm-hmm. and then them yeah, remaking it exactly. and, and I did not feel like it was ten years like but I it just was. didn't sit there and be like wait a minute, is this fucking ten years ago it was ten years what the fuck and and it it just felt like it was too soon mm-hmm. to do a remake. But uh, after Spider-Man three, they were just Sony was desperate to hit that reboot button. They were. I mean, they were. They just and, and I, think I didn't they, care for it as much as yeah. I did. I wasn't as excited for it as I was the Tobey Maguire. Well, so basically what happened was Spider-Man 3 came out. It was kind of a cluster. It didn't do as well. It was critically fairly panned. They you know, like kind of wanted to try to reboot the series because they were going to lose the rights to Marvel. you got to imagine Amazing Spider-Man comes out in 2012. This is post-Iron Man, Iron Man yep. 2, Incredible Hulk, Captain America. I think this was... This was the same year that the Avengers came out. So Sony yes, is looking at was. this going, holy shit, I got, we got to capitalize on our Marvel 
properties right the fuck now. We got to get Amazing Spider-Man out there and we got to re-up it. So this was their, albeit pretty decent attempt at redoing it, but, you know, like still a little hurried. That's why it was like, really? We're going to, we're already going to reboot Spider-Man? Okay. But they had to. They were trying to capture in on the feeling of the Marvel movies at the time. So um, this, with critics, not as well as the original. Again, you know, 90% love Spider-Man 2002. 72%, though, uh, liked it. So it was pretty favorable. It was, I don't believe that's enough to certify it fresh, but it was still pretty good. Audience, however, responded more favorably. They like 77% of them liked it and uh, actually thought this was pretty interesting. People tended so. to react better to the Spider-Man um, character exactly. of this than they yep. did the Tobey Maguire. Yep. They really liked that sh- that that shit-talking, mm-hmm. smartest kind of a dialed-down Deadpool or Deadpool a dialed-up Spider-Man, yeah. however you want to look at it. Yep. But that really, really attracted, I think, the common person to Spider-Man. Exactly. So um, and just to go back to it, too, like 2002, we talked about the budget for both these guys. Just to give you guys a frame of reference, 2002, Spider-Man is the top movie of that year. Uh, number two is The Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. Number three is Star Wars, Attack of the Clones. And number four is Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets. So you think about 2002, that is the height, the peak of franchise movies coming in there. By comparison, 2012 for Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers is the number one. Yep. Number two is The Dark Knight Rises, the third of the Nolan Batman trilogy. Number three is Hunger Games, the first. So, you know, got all this. And then Amazing Spider-Man ends up coming in number seven that year. So pretty good, especially when you consider what else it was up against. But didn't quite, again, you know, Spider-Man 2002 is number one. It's up against some heavy hitters. And Amazing Spider-Man, yep. as well as it did, and as weird as it may sound to call a movie that made $758 million a disappointment, it was a little bit of a disappointment. Yep. Paul, you got any uh, five-star and one-star reviews? Were you able to find some? I was able to find a couple. How about, um, a, how about a five-star review for I found Amazing a five-star Spider-Man? review entitled Amazing. Okay. Uh, I see what they did there. See what they did there? <laughs> uh, never seen a superhero movie before in my life, so this is unbiased and uneducated. <laughs> I watched this with my sister. So many comments. And I love it. The visuals are fantastic, but even more than that, the acting was superb. I was not expecting good acting from a superhero movie. I thought it would be pretty much just eye candy, but I was wrong. Mm. So that's what they thought of that. Um, What about you? Did you find some people who liked this movie? I did, actually, and hilariously, mine goes almost exactly in the opposite direction of what yours just went. Mine just says, five stars is the title, and it says, best ass in the business. That's... B-U-S-I-N-A-S-S. Best oh, ass I see in the what business. they did that. I see what they did there. So where yours said that it was, you know, not just eye candy, this person, straight for the eye candy. Whose ass are they talking about? I don't know, but that's all it says. Best ass in the business. No commentary on uh, who's, who's ass. Okay. So Fair five enough. stars. What about your one-star version of this movie? Uh, one-star titled Crap. Ooh, boy. There was no need to make this film. <laughs> Call it a more faithful adaptation. Debate the quality of acting, but this is not a good movie. It is a CGI orgy dressed in a near-duplicate origin story, except where it delivers its own crappy plot twists. Hmm. Like, I don't disagree with this guy. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't disagree with him. Like, Aside from maybe giving it a one star. Except for the one star and saying, you know, I think he's harsh, but overall, like, I don't disagree with yeah. this guy. Yeah. Um, so I have one, one star, that is entitled Attack on Kids. 
this is uh, one person's opinion on, and I, I don't agree with any of this. Kids love Spider-Man. All right, fair enough. I agree with that. With that in mind, they put out pornographic scenes in the movie. I don't remember that. Then kids question... Like actual penetration? I don't know. It says put out pornographic scenes Did in the movie. Did I watch the wrong Spider-Man? Wraps up with, then kids question their orientation and we wonder why. Holy shit. Spider-Man is the homosexual agenda, you guys. I don't know if you knew that. I don't I mean, know if I knew that. I don't know what pornographic scenes are talking about. I feel like this person watched a, what, spliced in... Did they watch this on VHS from like so? so is this like spider sp- S- spelled like S P Y D E R does man or something like spider does man? Like, I, don't, I don't know. Spy dong man? I don't um, know. Spy dong man? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I yeah. think maybe maybe we watched the wrong movie. I, I mean, I feel like this person definitely watched the right one if there was porn That's on it. That's I think we <laughs> So some just some general kind of trivia and info for you. As we as I mentioned before, Spider-Man 2002, directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, this guy did Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Dark Man, Army of Darkness, Quick and the Dead, A Simple Plan, For Love of the Game, The Gift, uh, the first three Spider-Man movies, Drag Me to Hell, Oz, Great and Powerful. I just... Some of those are a little bit of uh, weird things, like Oz, Great and Powerful, but all the, almost all the rest of them I thought think they're great. Uh, Sam Raimi's just a crazy person. I love it. Um, the guy who wrote this, David Cap, this is an interesting guy. Um, I don't know his name, but some of the other movies that this guy has written, uh, buckle up, because holy crap, this guy goes on a string here. So he writes Toy Soldiers. All right, I remember that from the 90s. Then he writes Jurassic Park, Lost World, Mission Impossible, uh, then kind of dips a little bit, Snake Eyes and Stir of Echoes, then Panic Room, Spider-Man, Secret Window, War of the Worlds, Crystal Skull, Angels and Demons, and The Mummy 2017 remake. He also wrote Zathura, if you remember that, mm-hmm. the uh, offic- unofficial Jumanji sequel. So this was supposed to have a Hugh Jackman Wolverine cameo in the 2002, but they unfortunately couldn't uh, get it to work, so that was kind of fun. Uh, and then uh, instead of Willem Dafoe, they potentially were looking at Nicolas Cage, John Malkovich, Bill Paxton, Mel Gibson, John Travolta, Robert De Niro, or Billy Crudup. And Stanley wanted John Cusack to play Spider-Man in this one. I just don't think the, those would have worked out. Um, for Amazing Spider-Man 2012, his director, Mark Webb, we talked about it. He just did a ton of music videos. He also did the movie 500 Days of Summer. Uh, he did both the Amazing Spider-Mans, did The Gifted, and The Only Living Boy in New York. He hasn't really done much. Yeah. And, and a bunch more videos in between all of those. Yeah, a lot, of, just, lot, of, a lot music of music videos. videos. Uh, it was written by James Vanderbilt and uh, Alvin Sargent and Steve Cloves. Uh, Vanderbilt wrote Darkness Falls, which I think is actually kind of a weird under-the-radar horror movie from the early 2000s. It wasn't great, but it was kind of entertaining. Then he wrote Zodiac, um, The Rundown, which I find is a stupidly kind of fun movie. Uh, The Losers, White House Down, and the Independence Independence Day uh, reboot, sequel, whatever you want to call that. Alvin Sargent wrote A Star is Born 74, which is interestingly on our list. What about Bob, then the um, Spider-Man 2 and 3, and this amazing Spider-Man? So he helped write two other Spider-Man movies, but not of this era. And Steve Cloves wrote this, and then literally all of the Harry Potter movies. So there's some... There's some talent in this writer room for Amazing Spider-Man, actually. And then it was all, this was almost just Spider-Man 4, but because of the reception of Spider-Man 3, they just scrapped it and decided to reboot the whole damn series and make it that. Raimi also had a huge disagreement and said it was best because there was so much studio interference with Spider-Man 3 that he just had a bad taste in his mouth, and he left that to go make Drag Me to Hell and make get back into horror movies for him. So kind of a, kind of a fun little bit of trivia between Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man. 
as we mentioned, we're not going to necessarily delve into it too much, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Spider-Man Homecoming in there, too. I love Spider-Man Homecoming. I think this is the best of the three movies, to be perfectly honest with you. As much as I love Spider-Man 2, I, I, I get, I, I'm just going to say this. And you've got, a, a, Paul is like physically bouncing in his seat. So, Paul, what are your thoughts here? <laughs> Everything they got wrong or did incorrectly uh, over the past other Spider-Mans, they got right yes. in this. <laughs> so, first off, what got me, like, creaming in my pants over Homecoming was, A, the name fucking Homecoming. Like, yes. it, Oh, yeah, no, it was You're great. coming home to Marvel. Like, yep. Spider-Man's coming home. Like, and again, he's in high school. It's a double entendre because they're talking about going to Homecoming Parade. But anyway, so what they do right off the bat is skip the entire fucking origin story. That was ex- we have already seen twice now seen Spider-Man origin stories. I, I know how this goes down. I know how this happens. Yep. I don't want to see it. Scrap it. Just fucking move on. And they did. And oh, Tom so Holland, good. while he's older, he's, he, he looks, looks like a high school he kid. He sounds like a Every, high school kid. Everybody he, in there looks like, and some are, High school kids. Yes, Zandaya <laughs> looks like a high school girl. They all look appropriate. You have this little, um, I, I, I don't, I, a friend of... Um, uh, the chubby, chubby Asian kid? That's no, her, her. Uh, Liz has a friend and they're all talking and he's like, well, I, they just look young. They yeah. look like kids. Flash Thompson actually kind of cracks me the fuck up in this. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually, he's kind of redeeming. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. In a... And in an lovable asshole way. But he teases and bullies Parker in a way kids today are actually teased and bullies by just yep. calling him names and being kind of a dick. Yep. Not actually, like, fighting you in a hallway. Like, that's not how this works. Um, so then you, you have nothing but star-studded cast. Um, you think that the other movies had star power. This has star Star power. Yeah. You have everything from uh, Marissa Tomei, Robert Downey Jr. is as Iron Man. The bad guy is Michael fucking Keaton. I Batman. Love Michael Keaton. Batman's in Marvel. Batman. Um, you even have just side appearances by Donald Glover, Hannibal Burris. Yeah. You have Chris Evans comes in as plays a little Captain America. I mean, it's all of these just cool things. This this movie was awesome. It was fucking amazing and they keep making Aunt May more and more attractive yeah and again as much as I said it before that you know Marissa Tomei hashtag not my Aunt May um, I still love Marissa Tomei and um, I I admire it I I like that they made her kind of the not not young per se but the younger hotter Aunt May and that Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man keeps making passes at her is perfect Uh, one of the things too that I wanted to mention about or the Spider-Man Homecoming is that they did the the perfect job of, again, being the comic book assholes that we are. I think, Paul, you'll probably agree with me on this. One of the things that Spider-Man does, he is, again, as I said before, quintessentially New York, which means that generally he doesn't get involved a whole lot in the big cosmic things. He does, but it's kind of a one-off. His Spider-Man's, you know, like his his real wheelhouse is small-time villains, centered around New York, trying to take them down, and that's exactly what they fucking did. And what phrase did they finally use? Um, your neighborhood friendly oh, spider, yeah. friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh, I love it. So, so they, they, they finally they, they finally use some of these lines. Like Spider-Man your neighbor- Homecoming is just like the perfect encapsulation of what I want from a Spider-Man movie. It is. It, it feels like a real Spider-Man movie, and it doesn't hurt that. Hey, it's Marvel. Marvel has. I know they have a formula to how they make their movies, but damn it, it works, and I just really like it. 
it it it, it works. totally works on me. It's everything. It, so there's there's some things that they broke character of like there is no M- MJ isn't yeah. MJ kind of is She's kind there, of is her but name's Michelle. It's, re- it's, it's revealed in the end that it's her. But it's not Mary Jane MJ. Watson. Nope, it is not. Like that kind of bothered me. I yeah. don't care. Like, people were up in fucking arms that she was black. Do yeah. not give a shit. I care more that her name is not Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, could could not possibly care. Do not that. give a flying fuck. Yeah. I, I am seriously more not over the fact that her name is not, not Mary, Mary Jane, Jane Watson. <laughs> so there's that part to it. Yep. Overall, just he, he encompasses that shit talking. Yeah. I love the good... spider sense. I yep. love just everything about it. The friend was kind of weird, but this you got a better sense of nerdy Peter Parker. He's making this webbing in shit he stole from school laboratory yep. in in little beakers and it's not this science laboratory that he's using. He's it's homemade bullshit and yep. you see that when he's throwing computer parts on his desk and doing all these crazy things that when I think of the nerdy Peter Parker, the dumpster diver, as you mentioned, yeah. that's exactly what I think of. Well, and they literally made him like that. And I, I think one of the other big things, too, that I just want to point out is he is it's, – it's so much fun to watch him banter back and forth with Iron Man because Iron Man treats him like the little kid, which, as I mentioned before, Spider-Man is generally pretty stuck in New York, doesn't always – you know, even though he is one of the more popular Marvel characters, doesn't always get on the big stage with him, the big cosmic battles. So it's fun to see him treated that way, to, yes. to see. It. And it's just kind of like, hey, you know what? I know you're a big deal here, but you just calm down. Um, so one last thing that I want to mention before we get into the breakdown of all these movies, and I will allow us to include uh, Homecoming in on some of the discussions there, but we're really judging the first two. We're judging Spider-Man versus Amazing Spider-Man. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I might have a Spider-Man movie that I actually like more than Homecoming that came out recently, and I have to drop it. Into the Spider-Verse was into the, spectacular. Thank you. Into the Spider-Verse it was is amazing. Not, it is not this Peter Parker. It is an alternate universe. I just I don't want to spend time discussing it, but I just want to plug that. Like, if you like Spider-Man, if you are listening to this, if you like either of the first, any of the first three movies, go see Into the Spider-Verse. It was spectacular. Oscar award-winning, one best animated picture, deserved yep. every bit of it it is visually stunning it is a great character development of miles morales which is an alternate reality spider-man but they have peter parker in there it is wonderfully voiced it is funny the it voice is work great. is fantastic it is, it is just excellent go out and see into the spider-verse too it is or into the spider-verse as well i mean if there's just a single one it is so freaking good just ugh, go see it so i absolutely right um <laughs> there it's amazing i don't really have much to say about that except for there's one scene in the new or in Homecoming, yeah, that bothered me. Oh yeah, what it was really that? just it's a fun trivia, but it yeah. really bothered the. Is it? The, does it involve Don Glover? No, it involves Ken Cho. Okay. So Ken Kenneth Choi. Yeah. He plays the principal. Yes. He also played the fucking mechanic in Captain America, who did. <laughs> like you okay. do not play to you. You don't get to do this, Ken. I saw that and I was like, no, you fucking <laughs> died in World War II. You don't get to do this. So I'm a little. I was a little irritated. Okay. 
All right. Just going to throw that can, out there. I can grant you actually one. love the Donald Glover. I, yeah. I, Some people were up in arms because Donald Glover, Donald Glover plays Miles Morales' uncle, right? Uh, he plays the alternate version of real. Which, well, in which you don't really know, uncle. or they don't drop yeah. it. It's a post credit. It's like a second post credit scene where and people my cousin Miles is going to be yeah. so upset, and you're like, "Oh my god, Miles Morales! Oh my god!" Yeah. So some of the nerds were upset about it. I was wondering if you were too. I, I was yeah, excited. I, yeah, no, I, I don't I, think I, I don't think in the Marvel MCU right now they're really ready to do the whole multi universe. No, that's a whole thing. But I also think that they're kind of ready to do Miles Morales, which so, they did. I mean, that's what Spider Verse. Right. That's what spider versus, but I don't know. I think they're, I could see them bringing that in the next few years into the MCU yeah. kind of live production. Yeah. This may be just a way to drop that down the road. Yeah, I could see that. Let's, uh, we're going to start digress. wrapping this up. We have the uh, breakdown of the two movies. So, first off, we are going to, we're going to compare the two that we had and with, uh, you know, some nods to Homecoming and just kind of see where that would rank. But uh, let's get into the cast cast of Spider Man versus the Amazing Spider Man. Who are you going to give this to? I'm actually very torn on this one. This okay. one was a hard one to do okay. because there are certain aspects of each one that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, I'm actually going to give it to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I wholeheartedly agree. I think they had a better cast with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Uh, not even not necessarily at the time, but what they've become, it is the better cast. As much as, and I do actually like the Amazing Spider-Man's cast. Uh, acting, actual execution. You know, did they look like they wanted to be there? Would it look like they were having fun? Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, what are you thinking? Again, torn, because I think yeah. there's certain aspects of each one that I feel like they didn't like. Uh, like, I really liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Yeah. But I hated Aunt May. Yeah. So in the end, I have to go with, again, back to Tobey Maguire. I do, too, and I think it's because those watching those characters again, especially like Willem Dafoe, they are committed to, be, to doing exactly. this. And we talked about how the, the lizard Reese Ifans was just kind of meh. Yep. When you kind of break it down, Spider-Man 2002 just had a little bit better acting and stuff like that. Uh, direction and script. This one's an interesting one. I'll, I'll go first on this one. I'm going to give it to Spider-Man 2002 again because I love, you know, Love Raimi. Think that it was a unique vision. It was actually, it was it was a a fun world that he had kind of built out. There it was visually very arresting and everything like that. And to me, Amazing Spider-Man just the direction of the everything was pretty bland and cookie cutter. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just competent. Versus Raimi, actually, again, there's a vision there. The way he executed it, that's what I would do for the direction slash script that they had there. What about you? I, I actually have to agree with you on all of the above. Yeah. Um, I really feel that just the the shot work and the way they did it was just more. I had more fun mm-hmm. with Tobey Maguire. Like I just watching the movie, I was like, I'm having more fun watching yeah. this. Production value. This is kind of an interesting one to to do because I think the production value of Amazing Spider-Man, if you just go straight comparison between the two, I think production value on Amazing Spider-Man is better, but when you take into the account of the time frame and how far everything has kind of come, when you kind of when you when you take into the fact that it was fifteen to what seventeen years ago, good lord, it's been seventeen years since the original Spider-Man came out. It it looked really good for that time, and it was absolutely it sure. accomplished what it wanted. Um, I still think I think I might give it to Amazing Spider-Man in this case. Yeah, I, think I mean, production I didn't, value was just a little bit better. It's, I didn't it's fucking cut Jumanji any credit for that's true for when we did yeah. that. I'm sure shit's not going to start with Spider-Man. Yeah, Jumanji had bad even for the time. 
I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going Amazing Spider-Man yeah. on this one. I just, just hands down. I think it was production-wise just done yeah. better. But uh, I mean, that's what the difference between a hundred million dollars yeah. and ten years. That's true. Uh, and finally, enjoyment value. I mean, for me, Spider-Man 2002. I just, it's, it's more fun to watch. Not that I didn't enjoy watching Amazing Spider-Man again. It's just like. Like you said, it just kind of had more fun watching Spider-Man 2002. So part of me knows that I just said I had more fun watching. <laughs> Wait, um, you want to go? You want to renege on that? I, I don't want to necessarily want to renege on that. <laughs> I want to more explain why I'm going to go with The Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, there are some... I like the Gwen Stacy. Yep. I, I, I like that, but most importantly... I liked the Spider-Man more. Okay. He was a better. Okay. I mean, the, the movie. That's why I'm here. I'm here for the Spider-Man. Sure, sure. I I don't honestly give a shit about your origin story that I already know that I've seen a thousand times that I've read dozens. I just want to see you be Spider-Man. And when they were Spider-Man, I had way more fun watching Andrew Garfield be Spider-Man than I did Tobey Maguire. Fair enough. So I am going to actually go with um, Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man. Now, now, if we throw Homecoming into the mix. I was going to say, if you if we're throwing Homecoming in the mix, it actually wins every one of those categories for me. I think... Not one of those categories would lose to Homecoming for me. I think that the only one Homecoming could potentially lose to would be Cast. Nope. So here's here's my reasoning. I love the cast of Homecoming, but if you take out the Marvel characters cast from other Marvel movies, so you take out John yeah, Favreau, I know exactly you where you're going with this. Robert Downey Jr., yep. I don't think the core of Homecoming is quite as good a cast. Not that they didn't do well, they were kick-ass, as the original Spider-Man 2002, just based off of you know what's happening. That's the only place I would give it an edge, and it would be a slight edge. I think I think Tom Holland is everything I wanted in a Peter Parker. They're both they're they're both the Maguire, yeah, and the Garfield and what I wanted combined. Okay, that's um, that's completely Michael fair. Keaton was fucking awesome. Michael Keaton, like yeah, it, he, yeah, he was was, so was, so was better than Willem Dafoe. Oh yeah, he yeah, was, he great was a, that, I think he was way better. He was very good. Um, you have uh, he's in he plays a guy named Ignacio um, in uh, Better Call Saul. Yep, I can't. So think of, I know who you're talking the about the squirt. He'll be yeah, if they do the scorpion. Yeah, he's the he's gonna uh, be the scorpion. Yep, it, it just. I mean, Marissa Tomei is awesome. Zendaya, I thought, was actually was good. pretty good. Yeah. Um, even shit, Martin Starr as the teacher when they're on the field trip was hilarious. Like, yeah. oh, I can't let another one die. Like, the um, what was it? The his little voice command system that was talking shit about oh, like yeah. this is uh, you have 120 seconds. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, I I will give. Homecoming nod on every one of those categories will would, would hands down win for me. I could not be more excited for the new Spider-Man. It, yeah. Outside of Endgame, it's probably the one I've been the most excited for for a long time. Is, I am is the next Spider-Man? Yeah. So, with all that being said, we agree that we like Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man 2012. Was that really necessary? No. Oh! I said it. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> I actually had some notes kind of re- regarding what you had previously talked about, yeah. how they 
I think, threw some shit together to compete with the MCU and mm-hmm. what was going on. And in my opinion, I look at this as a cash grab. Okay. And I, know, I hope you disagree. I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on this and hear me out. And here's why. And this is part of the reason why we had to discuss it. Without the amazing Spider-Man, we don't get Spider-Man Homecoming. I think that knowing what we know now, you go and you do Spider-Man, you do Spider-Man 2, both huge hits, Spider-Man 3, kind of a flop. Sony wants to do, needs to do this cash grab. Again, I agree wholeheartedly. It is a, definitely a cash grab of Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man does well, well enough to warrant a second one. They slapdash that shit together. It bombs hard. And with Scrapped that, everything. I it, mean, they was, they scrapped two movies because the yeah, second they one scrapped bombed a so hard. whole bunch of stuff. And with that, Sony comes crawling back to Marvel and says, hey, you know what? Maybe you can use Spider-Man in your cinematic universe. And thus, we get Homecoming. So... I know that we weren't technically including Homecoming, though we still talked about it quite a bit, because why wouldn't you? I think Amazing Spider-Man was necessary because it yielded Homecoming for us. That's my opinion. If, you, if, you, <laughs> if you're looking at these in hindsight, sure. If you're looking at just the... If you're looking at it from a pure... Like you said, it, is, it, it won't argue with you. It is a cash grab. So, yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, well, we're going to wrap this up. Yeah, so, this was a fun one. This, this is the was, first time we did three movies. This yeah. is our first um, superhero movie. A yep. lot, a lot more to come that we have to do. Yeah, we're going to get into this. Um, so, so speaking of kind of more to come and what mm-hmm. we've got going on, Zach, uh, for those who, for our dozens of <laughs> listeners who don't know, um, Zach and I alternate turns. We do. Uh, deciding what movies to watch. Up until today, we have decided that previously we discuss it. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Yep. Today we've decided that moving forward, these are going to be so it's completely secret. Yep. I'm I'm hearing Zach's choice for the first time, and uh, Zach, hit me. What do we What do we watching next? Well, next week, Paul, we are going to watch Pee Wee's Big Adventure from 1985 <laughs> oh, and Pee Wee's Big Holiday from 2016. <laughs> I thought it would be a nice uh, mix. I kind of got into the little Tim Burton with the uh, the Batman stuff, and I thought, hey, you know what would be really fun? Let's do a Pee Wee movie. So next week, why don't you follow us as we dive into Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Pee-wee's Big Holiday. We watch both of those. Um, Please make sure that you subscribe and follow us. Share us with your friends. Do everything. We love doing this show. And Paul's just got his head in his hands when I am describing that we're doing Pee-wee's. I'm so excited. This is amazing. So from all of us here at Was It Really Necessary? I'm Zach Buell. And I'm Paul Hobbeshaw. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you soon.